Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by, say it with me everybody, Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new door, new window, new set of windows, new set of doors, whatever. can do a lot of things. can change the look, can change the feeling, change the vibe of your home. Plus, can make your home more energy efficient and it can add value to your home. Now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That is PellaOmaha.com. All right, it is, uh, it's Monday, August 24th. And, uh, you know, the, the dust is continuing to settle a little bit with uh, the, the obviously bombshell news story of the month here with uh, the Big Ten postponing, we'll call it postponing fall football and, and no Nebraska football uh, in the cards now. And I wanted, I wanted to get Mitch Sherman on of The Athletic, covers Nebraska. I've known Mitch for a long time, great dude, um, obviously super you know, plugged in and tied into everything college football, in particular, in particular Nebraska. And I wanted to get Mitch on to try to kind of put a bow on everything uh, for what we can, whether it's the process of the decision for the Big Ten, uh, the decision itself, all the different things with Nebraska moving forward and then kind of college football and, and what things look like now moving forward because you know we're at the tip of the iceberg of all the different issues for whether it's the leagues that are going to be playing and for the leagues that aren't playing. There's just still, there's some things we can kind of put a bow on, but there's still a whole bunch of other things that uh, are to be determined uh, to that, that I that I really wanted to tackle with uh, with Mitch. So I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy this. This is a fun, fun conversation that, that tackles a ton uh, with regards to what's unfolded over the past month for Nebraska and uh, kind of the roller coaster of emotions for all football fans, Nebraska and Big Ten. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my podcast chat with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Well, on the line now is uh, is Mitch Sherman. Uh, the Athletic covers Nebraska. Uh, highly recommend subscribing to The Athletic. Uh, just amazing coverage on on everything. In fact, Mitch, you just wrote about Schick and Nick, my other podcast, and I can only assume that that story set the record for the most clicks in the Athletic's history. Is that can you confirm or deny that the record has been set with the Schick and Nick story? It was one of the more successful stories that I wrote, I have written during this entire crazy last five or six months. I mean, in all, in all honesty, like you guys, you guys did, did great. So perfect. um, Yeah. And I mean, to follow that up, to follow up that, and I just, I just listened today to, to the the episode and I'm, I don't know why you guys didn't talk about the story for like, 60 minutes and it was only like 35 minutes I know, so i know i was expecting short as change you mentioned, yeah. as you mentioned during the during the podcast i was expecting you know like three four five <laughs> minutes you know go over it and like 30 minutes later i'm like they're still talking about this i mean so, it's it, it, great, yeah, job, great uh, job yeah i know i was when when chick I, I figured i was like oh yeah we're gonna mention it we're gonna kind of direct people to the story and then you know to go Seinfeld on people, yada yada yada. Thirty-five minutes later, we're still talking about the story. It was, it was, it was great. I thought it turned out fantastic. Uh, we again, I know we told you a bunch of times, but we really appreciate it. Um, yeah. When, yeah. It, when you broke it down sentence by sentence, yeah, word by word, word by word, where I thought, like, yeah. okay, now this is, it's going a little too far. In depth, but, but in I depth coverage it. of the of the in depth coverage. That's what that's what we're doing here. Do, I, what's the biggest difference, Mitch, between writing for a newspaper like the Omaha World Herald, which you did for a while? And then writing for the athletic. Mm-hmm. Well, I had like an eight-year buffer at ESPN, so right. Um, uh, I mean, if you want to like get in the weeds, the biggest difference for me is that like I'm not on a deadline every night, you know, trying to get a story in before the paper has to get shipped off to the printing press. That's kind of nice. Yes. Uh, I mean, if I turn in a story at two a.m., which my editors love, by the way. <laughs> I bet. Um, and it can, you know, it can go online at 2:30. So that's, you know, probably not ideal for readership because most people are not up and and like waiting for your story at that moment in time. But I mean it, it like the actual writing and reporting and all of that stuff that I do, it's really not much different. It's the same and it's been since 2011 since I was at the Omaha World Herald. So um you know some things have changed uh just like the nature of the business, but if um you know if you're talking about like the the 
the minutia of doing the job, it's really not that much different. It's more just like in how it's presented and, you know, what my schedule is when I have to have things turned in. So, um, yeah, I like it. It seems yeah. like maybe that's the future. Like maybe the dig- this digital thing is, yep. is, is like uh, something that's going to, going to be here to stay. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. What have you, I mean, cause I think whether, whether you're talking about writing for the athletic and, and covering Nebraska in, in with them, or for even me doing a podcast, you the one thing you always got to think about is like serving your audience. Like you have to always make sure you you're 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 doing that. What have you discovered throughout your experience here on what like what Nebraska fans want? Do you feel like you've you got a good feel for that? Yeah, it's the number one thing that I think about when I go out to work on a story. I feel like I'm I'm uh, I didn't expect that we were going to talk about this. I feel like I'm I'm uh, like going through my um, checklist of things that I talk about when I, when I visit with like high school kids yes, or, this or is even good. like, this is good. I do some work. Yeah. I do some work with, uh, the college of journalism, um, in Lincoln. Um, and, uh, you know, talk to them, the students there that they have a sports media major at Nebraska now, yep, which yep. would have been cool when I was in school, but, um, they did not. Uh, and, um, I talked to them, like the, one of the first things that I say when I talk to college students is, is no, you know, you got to know your audience. Like I could write, I could write the best story out there, the best that I story I'd ever, I've ever written, or, you know, you could do like just a, a kick-ass podcast, mm-hmm. but if you're not, if you're not, um, targeting the right audience, if you're, if you're, if, if it's like meant for somebody other than who it's being marketed to, uh, like it's not really going to make it, it's not going to resonate. It's not going to do anything. So like when I, it goes down for me to like when I'm asking questions in an interview or when I'm thinking about who I'm going to interview. Um, and obviously when I'm, when I'm like sitting there in front of my computer, putting the words together, it's always on my mind. Like, who am I writing for? And with the athletic, it's a different audience. I think a little bit, like a little bit different audience than ESPN, um, ESPN, like the people who wrote, who, who, um, who read about Nebraska football and ESPN, I, it's, you know, it's more broad, obviously, you know, the athletic, um, reaching a lot of people, like almost a million subscribers here, just like four years into, um, four years into existence yeah. is awesome, but still it's not like, it doesn't have the reach of ESPN. So ESPN is like the more casual, like general sports fan. So you have to write a story. Um, you know, with that in mind, where the athletic, I mean, people who subscribe for Nebraska football content, or even if they subscribe for, um, you know, uh, Kansas City Chiefs content, and then they're like on the side, a Nebraska football fan, which isn't real common. Most Nebraska football fans are like hardcore Nebraska football fans. Mm-hmm. And that's a unique thing or some it's not unique, but it's a it's it's a unique among like a group of, I don't know, maybe 20 schools. In I, the I agree. Where like. Yeah, if you're if you're a Nebraska fan, there aren't like a whole lot of casual Nebraska fans. So, um, and especially when they when they you know if you're an athletic subscriber and you read about Nebraska football, like you you really know about the team. Yeah. So I keep I have that in mind when yeah. when I write a story. Yeah. I, I you know I, I want to give the audience what they what they want. Yeah, I'd say that's I'd say it's the biggest area I've evolved and improved from when I started my solo show, because that's when I was really in charge at, you know, Chick and Nick, as you have discovered, it's like, we just kind of like the topic of the show was the show. So like topic mm-hmm. selection and serving an audience kind of was like, that was a different sort of beast. But from when I started my solo radio show in 2013 to even now, when I'm doing my podcast, I feel like I've, I've tried to master that as much as anything of, of, what does your audience want? Because sometimes, you know, for me, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to come. To, I'd love to break down Luka Doncic and and the NBA <laughs> play. You know what I mean? But like, that's not what people want from me. And and so as as such for you, I'm sure there's times like you know what I, I want to write a I want to write a bunch of stuff about you know the the Royals bullpen. Well, that, I mean you can, but right now at least like your a lot of your audience is is Nebraska football, so you got to make sure you're always serving that. But I do think it's interesting to kind of have these discussions because while guys like me and you and these journalism students are thinking about it. I don't know if like the average uh, consumer really thinks about what's the process of how we arrive at. Oh, here, Mitch has got a new story on athletic. Well, how did how did he, how did he kind of arrive at that being the story? It's probably good if they don't think about it. Like they don't need to be thinking about <laughs> sure. that. Like, you know, it's, like, it's like, you know, you go to you go to uh, uh, get your 
chicken sandwich yeah. and you don't need to be is it, and when you're eating it the consumer doesn't need to be thinking about like how it was made and like where <laughs> they got the best chicken from it's it's if it tastes good then you you know you you were you were winning as a, as somebody who made it and that's it's it. kind of the same way when you're putting the content together Mitch I wanted to bring you on uh because I want to try to kind of put a bow on everything from the Nebraska and the Big Ten, Big Ten's decision to postpone football because it kind of feels like the dust has settled. I mean, there's still dust particles floating that you're that are people are, are are gravitating towards. But I wanted to I wanted to bring you on to to try to put a bow on things. And we've I want to start with this. So, Mitch, we've had kind of a week to digest the letter from Kevin Warren, kind of expanding on his decision the the Big Ten's decision to postpone football. It, for me, I didn't feel like it had a ton of substance to it. It didn't. It didn't clear up a ton for me. What about you? Like, did you when you finished reading the letter? Did you go, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, were you satisfied with what was in that letter? Not saying you have to agree with the decision. We don't have to necessarily get into that. But like, at least the what was the contents in that letter? Did you walk away at least satisfied on how they arrived at it? Uh, no, not entirely. Yeah. More satisfied than I felt before I read the letter. I think if the letter had come out on August 11th or even August 12th, the day after the decision to, and I say cancel, I know you and you and, and Schiff were joking about this. <laughs> it's canceled, like we can't say, right. don't say cancel. No, right. I'm saying cancel. Like yeah. they canceled it's the canceled. fall season. Like Agreed. until we're kicking off in the winter or spring, which still to me seems far-fetched, then I'm calling it a cancellation of the fall season. It is yeah. a cancellation right. of the fall season. They're not right. playing in the fall. So um, if they would have put out that letter, at the same time that they made the announcement about doing away with fall, I'd have felt better, but I still think I would, there would have been some emptiness. Well, there definitely would have been some emptiness, but I think, I still think there would have been a part of me that wanted more because a lot of the, 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 um, the data that was cited was just like readily available data that Mm -hmm. I could go on the internet and grab myself. It didn't seem to be information that was uh, collected and processed by the scientists and the doctors in the in the Big Ten who have been uh, put in the position to help guide this decision, you know, I, you could Kevin Warren or the league presidents could have went and found that information on their own without the help of these fourteen institutions, and that's you know you know they have more mm-hmm. at their at their disposal. You know that you know that we've we've heard since April about these meetings that are taking place every day. And, you know, whether it's the athletic directors getting together on Zoom, um, every time I've talked to Bill Moose during this process, it's been like, wow, you know, there aren't really silver linings in this. But, you know, one thing to come out of it is that I've gotten to know, I like quoting Bill Moose, Mm -hmm. he has gotten to know all of his colleagues in the Big Ten so much better because of this and thinks that when, when they're out of it, it will help them communicate better on future issues that impact the entire league or a good portion of the league. So, you know, they've been meeting, you know, the, the uh, coronavirus task force, the doctors have been meeting with league presidents, with big 10 officials. So I'd be interested to hear more about what came out of those conversations that guided their decisions. And you heard some of it with um, the importance of contact tracing, crate tracing and how they didn't feel great about that. And, you know, some of the other things that guided their decisions, but I didn't feel like it got real specific. And, you know, some people will tell you that the Big Ten doesn't have a responsibility to pull back the curtain. And, you know, I'd say, OK, if you're talking about like a TV contract right. or you're talking about like a decision to, um, you know, change something, change some kind of a rule that maybe factors into player eligibility or player safety. Um, you know, that's where you start to get it. Maybe they should pull back the curtain more. If there's ever going to be an instance where the Big Ten has to be transparent and has to be upfront with the public um, more than it's ever been, it is this situation right here where it impacts the lives and livelihoods of hundreds of thousands, millions of people all across the Big Ten region. And I just think it's if if. You know, some of the things that we've heard reported from reporters who, you know, Teddy Greenstein, Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune was on Feinbaum uh, last week talking about conversation that he had with Kevin Warren and how Kevin Warren was really surprised that the blowback was yeah. as significant as it was. That is just to me like inexcusable. Like, how did you not right. know when you, <laughs> you were just upending 
and you're not upending the lives of people because there isn't a isn't a football game for them to watch. You're upending their lives because you're like ripping out the core of their ability to do business. You know, yes. hotels, restaurants, um, bars, shops, all of this stuff in towns like Lincoln and Madison, Wisconsin, and Iowa City. It's it's devastating. You know, as we you know we've documented at the Athletic and others have in the media too. The the financial impact is incredible. So I think I think the Big Ten owed it to those people to to show more, to be more transparent than it had ever been. And the initial um, statement was none of that. And the statement that came eight days later was very little of that. Yeah, I, I'm, I couldn't believe when, you know, that little anecdote from Teddy Greenstein, you know, insinuating that Kevin Warren was surprised at the blowback. I mean, that's just, uh, uh, that's unbelievable to me. And I, you know, Kevin Warren has, has admitted that he that he wishes he had done a few things differently. And I think one of the things that could have helped this whole situation a ton was not releasing the schedule. You know, I, I think in some ways what happened on August 6th or whatever it was, whenever the schedule came out, that that created a lot of uh, issues for them if they were going to. I mean, if, if, if the if the hammer was coming down the hill to cancel the season, maybe maybe hold off on releasing the schedule. But do you yeah. think. I, I don't know about you there. Sometimes I read quotes or I'll read a story and I almost have to reread it over and over again because I've just in my mind, like it's like my brain is auto correcting. I'm I've read Sam McEwen's story in the Omaha World Herald with Bill Moose's quotes, basically saying that everyone was operating in silos throughout this process that, you know, the 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 university presidents, they were on Zoom calls and then the ADs were on Zoom calls, but no one was really all on a call together and Kevin Warren was having to kind of be the voice of the athletic directors, which Bill Moose said were in unanimous favor of playing. I keep on rereading that and I cannot believe it. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I'm really shocked that none that it, that everyone wasn't on the call all at once. That, that seems just unfathomable to me. Yeah. I think that that's a longstanding problem in college athletics is the disconnect between uh, university-wide leadership, like school presidents, and then the people who run individual programs and athletic departments. Uh, Nebraska does a better job. I think that Ronnie Green and Ted Carter, as the leaders at UNL and of the university system, they have a good open dialogue with Bill Moose and Scott Frost and the people who who, who make decisions yeah. in athletics. I don't think that, I think that's the exception and not the rule. And it's too bad, but I think that that's, that has long been the case in college athletics. You go to a place like Michigan, a prestigious institution and yeah, athletics is a big deal. Of course it is, but it's not like the focus of the entire institution. I mean, not, I'm not saying it should be, but uh, I mean the, the university president there. You know, he's he's I think he's thinking about athletics when he needs to be. Um, maybe it's not healthy to have a university president or chancellor who thinks all the time about athletics. There needs to be some kind of a balance that's different than what it is. But in this instance, again, I'll go back to you know what I said with Warren and and the Big Ten's need to be transparent because of how many people it impacts. The same thing needed to be needed to hold true with the communication between, inside of institutions. Yes. If there was ever a time for the athletic director at all 14 of these schools to be on the same page with the presidents of those schools, this was it. And part of that blame, it probably goes with the athletic directors. Like if you weren't having conversations, and in Nebraska they were, but if you were at Michigan or Northwestern or Indiana and you're the athletic director there and you weren't having conversations regularly with the school president or the school chancellor. Well, why not? You probably needed to march into their office and say, hey, this is how we feel. And it's really important that you know how we feel when you go into these into these conversations with with your peers, um, <laughs> that, that because those conversations are the ones that are going to guide and, and, and have a have the, a giant impact on whether we play football this fall. So we have the. You know, the other backdrop to all this stuff is we have these the the parents letters to Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. We saw the protests on uh, last Friday outside of the Big Ten offices and then offices. And then even you have the threat of litigation uh, in particular from from some of the Nebraska parents. And they've gotten, you know, some lawyers involved. And it, and it seems the parents are just kind of seeking clarity on the decision to 
postpone or cancel as it is in all reality. And then the kind of the process of arriving at that decision. And I guess for me, like if it's all in the name of health and safety and listening to metal, medical guidance, you would think that'd be pretty easy to just provide, right? Like the one thing I've, I still am amazed that we have not really seen a doctor that was really intimately involved in this process, consulting with the big 10 kind of standing up there and, and saying, and, and laying it all out. Like you would think that if, yeah. if that's what it is, that's fairly easy to produce, isn't it? It's not for a lack of trying. I'll tell you that. Nick. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Dr. Cradiville, Dr. Chris Cradiville at the at UNMC, who was the head of mm-hmm. the Big Ten uh, task force on this, who has been in communication with the presidents and the, and the commissioner through all of this. Um, I, I met him, got to know him a little bit when – the, and the pandemic was in its early stages. We did a, I did a Q&A with him and communicated with him beyond that point through this thing. And multiple times since the Big Ten decision has come down on the season this fall, I have attempted to speak with him as the, the, the chair yeah. of, that, of that committee, of that task force. And I know you love talking about task force. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, um, but he, you know, he, he, his, um, he's restricted by the Big Ten. The Big Ten is not allowing him to do an interview. He, he has said that, uh, you know, in, in his words, you need to direct all the questions to the Big Ten. So he's been, he's been silenced, yeah, um, like essentially by the league, which right. is unfortunate because right. it's just another example of, a, of of a lack of transparency here. We would, it wouldn't, it would. You were exactly right. It would only make sense to hear from the preeminent doctor in the room during these conversations like why would we want to keep him silent um but that's exactly what the big 10 has done i just that that is that's that's almost mind-blowing to me because that that's the thing that i a part of me kind of expected i'm not gonna lie like when i go all the way back to the when when the big 10 canceled and you know i turned on btn i think it was two o'clock and dave Rebson comes on there was a part of me that expected kevin warren to like say something and then basically here is Dr. So-and-so he's going to answer all the questions because this is why we're not doing it. And I, I was, I was trying to, I was bracing myself for that and that never came. And here we are, gosh, almost two weeks later and we, we haven't had that. And that is of all the things that are head scratching to me, that's maybe the, one of the biggest ones that, that just doesn't add up at all. Well, you know, with a lack of answers, with a lack of real, uh, specific answers comes speculation yeah. and comes conspiracy theories and unfounded, uh, unfounded thoughts. And it gets, it gets wild. Um, if, <laughs> if the big 10 wants to put to rest that the situation has been a mess for the league, all it needs to do is come out and show evidence that this was an orderly um, sensible process. And, in, in in the absence of the league doing that, all of us here are left to dream up our own reasons about why the league decided to do this. And I, you know, don't for a second think that Kevin Warren and the decision makers, the, the university presidents, um, that they have anything but the best interest of the players sure. at, at stake. They don't want, you know, they're not, they're not yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to take football away. Like they get the significance, the financial significance, um, the significance for the mental health of, of the players. Like I think they understand that, but obviously there are some other factors in play that aren't being you know talked about by the big 10. You know, there's the whole issue of liability and, you know, we know that Kevin Warren likes to talk about uncertainty and mm-hmm. what, uh, you know, what they don't know about uh, coronavirus. And I, I think the thing that isn't being said, but it's fairly easy to infer, is that Big Ten and these institutions, they don't want to be in a position five, ten years down the road to get sued for billions of dollars because players have whatever kind of lingering conditions. And we haven't heard the Big Ten talk about that kind of those kind of liability concerns, but obviously they're kind of lurking there in the background. And I, you know, that's a tough one for the big 10. I'm not sure how it would uh, come out and address that, but um, you know, it's, it's clearly there. There's there. It's, it's such a complicated thing. And I would say 
that the best thing to fall back on when you're dealing with an issue this complicated and you're put in charge of trying to explain things to the public is just to try to be as upfront and as transparent yeah. and as reasonable as you possibly can. Unfortunately, that's not really been the Big Ten way of doing things throughout history. And I don't think it's really been the way that Kevin Warren was brought up through um, his career either coming from the NFL. It isn't really the NFL way of doing things also. So you put those, those, those situations together and you end up with, um, you know, kind of the mess that we, that we're looking at. Yeah. I think you and I, bro, I mean, I think most people can understand, Hey, all for one, one for all when it comes to conferences and not letting everyone behind the curtain on every little thing. I think everyone can understand that. But as you pointed out a couple minutes ago, like when you're dealing with a decision of this magnitude, the, 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 the rules kind of alter to a certain extent. And you brought up liability because that was something I, I wanted to I was I wanted to talk about. But the other thing, you know, just kind of, you know, in, in peeling back things and figuring out what all went into the process of arriving at canceling football. What are we to do about connecting the dots that the two power five leagues that came out with the strongest sentiments and letters and insinuations from the players of forming a union? were the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And the first two Power Five conferences to cancel football were the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Like, are, I, coincidence? Is it Because I, I remember there was one anonymous, we had so many, we've had so many anonymous quotes over the past month that it's hard to keep straight, but there was, I think the weekend before everything canceled, there was a, I think there was either an AD or a president that had an anonymous quote, I'd been a Dennis Dodd or something, that said, hey, listen, you media people, you guys are tracking the wrong story. It's not COVID and the health. It's it's the fear of, of these players forming a union. Where How much, because it's amazing how that, to me, that has gotten kind of lost in the shuffle and maybe rightfully so, maybe it had nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. It feels a little conspiracy theory-ish to me and I kind of hate, I, I hate that. Right. Um, you know, I want like if, if I'm going to say, yes, I think it had a lot to do with it. You know, the reporter in me wants to, like, have somebody say that on the record, sure. you know, <laughs> an important person here. Uh, so I don't love to give a ton of credence to that. But again, it goes back to in, in, in the absence, in the vacuum of having real information, your mind goes toward that stuff. And it's easy to like you said, it's easy to connect the dots there and say, that this league and this league um, had player at a player uprising, and they were the quickest to cancel. I think the Pac-12 was was doomed mm-hmm. um, for a while, probably long before the um, the the, the um, you know the demands were made by players about you know, the crazy stuff about about Larry Scott giving up half of his salary and the, and, and it's <laughs> that you know that that was right. that wasn't going to happen. It didn't right. help matters with the Pac-12. I think at that point the Pac-12 was just like, all right, let's eject. Um, but but uh, I, I don't I don't think the Pac-12 would have would have had a season um, if if that had even if that had never happened. Um, but you know it's an ongoing issue in college athletics for sure. And it'll be interesting to see when we do get to a place where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are ready to play football again. I mean, they can't just put this off forever. They can't be like, well, we got players who are threatening to revolt, so we're just not going to play here in the fall of 2020. And the coronavirus, you know, that's just in the background as right. an excuse for us not to do this. Well, what's going to be different? It's, it's not going to be different in the spring of next year or the fall of next year or the fall of 2022, you can't just continue to put that discussion off and off. Like it's once it's out of the, out of the, the bottle, so to speak, like that conversation is going to come up again. Pac-12 players, they're not going to forget about the demands that they made the next time the league is getting ready to play a season. Right. I, you know, whenever, whenever something happens that is, you know, is you arrive at a point that, you, you didn't want to have happen. You always kind of reflect on, okay, well, what, what could I have done different or what could we have done different to arrive at a different uh, end result? And I, and I, I was listening to my good pal, Josh Peterson on a sports conduct brought up an interesting point. And I think he might've been talking to Steve Sipple, but he brought up an interesting point in terms of kind of looking back and, and thinking about things that could have gone different. Would it have behooved those that wish the season was still on? that the players started voicing their desires and opinions to play earlier on in this process. Mm -hmm. Like Trevor Lawrence, 
he, you know, now obviously the ACC is playing, so whatever. But I mean, his when it kind of felt like things are getting rocky, him expressing his desire to play makes a difference. Justin Fields, we know about his player-led petition, gets almost three hundred thousand signatures. It makes a difference. You, you'll hear uh, from the Nebraska players saying, "I feel safer in the structure of football than I would otherwise." And I know that I think there's a lot of people that all those sentiments didn't surprise me, but I think it kind of surprised a lot of people that maybe didn't really think about that. Do you think if they had, you know, talking about Nebraska or Ohio State, like, do you think they, they, if they could do it over again, they would have ha- wished to have the players kind of voice those opinions earlier on in the process? Yeah. I, I don't think it surprised Ronnie Green, but I do think there are presidents out there who are so far separated from what's going on in the daily life on their campuses, especially in athletics, that it did surprise them. So, absolutely. I, you know, Credit to Nebraska, credit to Scott Frost and the players for speaking up when they did, for speaking up at all, because a lot of schools didn't didn't do that. A lot of schools stayed on the stayed on the backside of it and you know just said, well, we're just we're gonna be quiet. We're gonna let the decision makers make their we're we're afraid to step out a lot. Sure, I guess is is the way that some of them looked at it. And good on Nebraska and Scott Frost for coming out, but they did it on August 10th, right. and the decision to cancel came on August 11th. You know, like it was too late at that point. There was nothing that they could have said or done in that moment to save things. Could they have done something to save the season if they had been making those statements in July? And Scott, you know, did some interviews um, occasionally during the offseason and voiced his feelings about how the players were, were safer in the football environment than they were um, without sports but he didn't say it on the kind of platform that he did on August 10th. That was a big Zoom call with all of the media and his comments went national. I think if he had done that earlier and if other, you know, not just him, right. you know, it's not it's not his responsibility to save the sport in 2020. But if, if he had done it and others had done it and you had heard from Trevor Lawrence, you know, who's the, the, the probably the biggest voice in the sport today as far as players go. And you had heard from Nick Saban and you had heard, you know, if, if these guys had not been in like normal offseason mode where unfortunately normal offseason mode for a lot of programs is just to like completely go away yeah. when it comes to as quiet as possible media. yeah right when it comes to access to the public like you, I, at the athletic you know we have writers at new cover teams all over the country and, all, and there's seven and seven of us in the big 10 who are assigned to individual teams and then you know similar situations in the sec um and the other power leagues and you know we we communicate as as a group and um you know it's surprisingly we're we're not as dysfunctional as some other organizations <laughs> sure. that were. We actually talk to each other, right. mean, amazingly, and and sometimes we, you know, as as writers do, we have discussions about, uh, you know, our access to the players that we cover. You'd be shocked at how many schools uh, there have been. There's been no access or extremely limited access to players, assistant coaches, the head coach, uh, from the time the season shut down at the end of last year until very recently or you know is still ongoing like we hadn't heard from adrian martinez since black friday right right until until, until august 10th it's kind of amazing you know, he's the most visible player on the nebraska roster it would be good to hear from guys like him and he's like you know i, I know they're their success it has been a little bit different, but he is like the Trevor Lawrence yes. at Nebraska. No so doubt. it's a two-year returning starting quarterback. So hearing from him on August 10th, it's better than never, but it would have been a lot better if it was like May 15th and he and they put him out there to talk or he decided to go out there and talk about uh, you know how important it was for him to be able to be on the field. And, and that's again, not just him, but players across the country. I think not that we're going to go through something like this again in a future year, right. but it would have it would have been really beneficial if um, if these voices had spoken up earlier. Mitch, as we're kind of you know going through the re- the rearview mirror and kind of unpacking everything that has unfolded, I, I'm curious for uh, being a media member and you're you're someone that's interesting can can really touch on this because you have a good feel from the national perspective, but also understanding the local dynamic and local perspective of things as well. What how how did you make sense of the pushback? on to Nebraska and Scott Frost, uh, whether it be from Desmond Howard and Michael Wilbon and, and, and other various national media outlets, whether it be Pat Forty or whoever, I, I, you know, it, I don't 
I don't know how to really put it, just turning Nebraska's, I don't know, either flat out kind of like misconstruing what Nebraska said or making them out to be this, the, the villain and the bad guy in this whole thing. And then, then you have the Big 12 stuff pop up too. Like, what did you, how did you, how did you kind of make heads or tails of all of that? Yeah, it was unfortunate. And I think it paints the media in a bad light. And, you know, all of us who work in, in this business are not, uh, are, are, are not like operating in those conditions. Most of us are. I, and, and, you know, it's a product of like the very system that we work in. Like uh, at ESPN, you had Desmond Howard and, and Michael Wilbon on TV shows where they offer takes on like 20 different issues right. over a 30 minute span. And, you know, things come out of their mouth that, you know, they don't think about no. again. They, they, it's, it's like, well, Nebraska is dwelling and obsessing over the comments 24, 48, 72 hours later that Desmond Howard and Michael Wilbon made on TV. Like they've moved on and they've had like 30 other hot takes since that point right. that, you know, that, right. that were just as, um, you know, they were, they were just as quick to come to. And that's just like the, uh, that's just like the, um, the media culture that we live in right now, whether it's sports or politics or society or, or whatever. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a good one. Like, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish, I wish that, um, you know, that, that these opinions were more well, well thought out. Um, I, we, I, I don't, there's not a lot of people here in Nebraska who cover Nebraska who are, are into, um, you know, issuing hot takes on on the teams, and, and I think that's the teams we cover. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you that's what you had there, and it definitely it's it was um, you know it didn't come from from a great place because the kinds of things that you heard from Nebraska on Monday, August tenth, the day before the shutdown was announced, you know, were in no way. Uh, threats to leave the no. conference, um, you know, and even the statement that came out after the the Big Ten announcement. It was we're disappointed that the season has been canceled, and we would love the opportunity for our players to be able to play. It didn't say this fall. It didn't say we're out. We're going to be out scheduling games. It didn't say we're talking to the Big Twelve. It didn't say we we hate the Big Ten. It, it you know they said what everybody else thought. And ultimately, they said what a lot of other schools said, too. You heard similar kind of talk from Ohio State a couple of days later. And I think that just like stoked the flames with Nebraska fans because it didn't get the same response from national media when Ohio State, when Ryan Day said, uh, yeah, we want to look for opportunities yeah. to play there. It was a different reaction entirely than when Scott Frost and Nebraska players said it. But unfortunately, that's where we're at with uh, a lot of forms of media today. And, you know, it's not like everybody at ESPN uh, feels that way or, you know, has to have a hot take on a TV show, but um, some of them, some of them do every day have to have lots of them. And it it leaves us in a position where it's like, Hey, what are, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we talking about, you know, kicking Nebraska out of the league because it expressed a desire to play football. Um, This is, this is, this is, um, you know, I know these are crazy times and you know, everybody's minds and and a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a, of a tizzy, but Mm -hmm. um, why, how do we get to this point where uh, we're, 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 um, you know, turning Nebraska into the villain in this? It's, uh, it's, um, it's still crazy. It's still crazy to think that that's how it unfolded. Do you think, I mean, it was pretty rare. It's pretty rare. And this happened last week. It's pretty rare for a school chancellor to offer up a hypothetical like Ronnie Mm -hmm. Green did last week on KLIN with Jack Mitchell it was interesting. It, it was really interesting, right? I mean, especially when he had just kind of he had kind of shut the door on fall football. Then he offers up that hypothetical: What if all these other leagues get going and everything's going relatively smooth? Do we revisit the the conversation? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. And then <laughs> and then you and then you look at you know Bill Moose says straight up, kind of he's closed the door on it. But I guess I asked you, Mitch Sherman, at on August twenty fourth at about one thirty in the afternoon, is that is fall football? Is that door shut, locked? Throw the key in the ocean and be done with it? What do you think? I think in twenty twenty, you never shut the door on anything, right? <laughs> and normally, with all of the different variables that we have going on, and all of the all of the scenarios that could play out in a normal year, you'd say. Yeah, a decision like that, a huge decision like that, it's final. There's no going back on it. Uh, but, hey, if the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC get off the ground in September and things are sailing along and they got it going 
and they're playing games and there's limited um, issues with COVID and, uh, you know, the, the, the classroom situation is working okay at all of these institutions. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to have issues. <laughs> I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff that they're going to have to deal with and they're going to be fortunate to play a few games in the fall. I hope I'm wrong and then it all goes well, but if, but, but if, you know, if I am wrong and um, you know, they play, they all play six games in six weeks or five games in six weeks. Could the big 10 say, Hey, we need to maybe think about pulling back the covers a little bit quicker here and getting started on our season. Instead of, instead of uh, January, how about we have a Thanksgiving kickoff? I mean, sure. That could happen. Um, it would be bizarre. It would be weird, but so much else about this whole situation is even way more strange. So why not just add to it? Yeah. What, you know, you, we, we go down that path of, cause I mean, the ultimate, it's just crazy to think that we are, I think there's a college football game this Saturday coming up. I mean, it, it's just crazy to think like, wow. this is now going to start happening. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, I keep on thinking about a, you know, on September in, in a September Saturday, turning on the, the TV and I'm going to be watching Oklahoma play football and Kansas state play football. And yet Memorial stadium just down the road is sitting empty like that. That is going to be pretty unbelievable but it's it's potentially going to happen what if i mean let's go what if those leagues get off the ground mitch and things are going relatively smooth i mean what try to can you what kind of impact does that have on the big 10 moving forward uh i mean it's it's, not good because i know they asked you about that in the mailbag in your in your mailbag but i wanted to expand on it because like (laughs) that is the the ultimate ultimate disaster scenario for the Big Ten. I'd kind of turn it around on you and say, is Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, and the, are they are they openly rooting for things to fall apart at the other leagues? I mean, is Kevin Warren sitting right. at home and going, man, I hope this thing, I hope this, this is a disaster for the SEC. I mean, in which case it's like, rooting for people to, to know, get it's a weird, sick, sinister. You know, I don't weird. think yeah. anybody is doing that, but it obviously is not a good look for the Big Ten He's, he, I mean, he would be openly rooting for people to lose millions of dollars. Again, right. not a good look. Um, but if it if it goes if it goes poorly, or if it go, I'm sorry, if it goes well for all of these leagues, yeah. I mean, the, the Big Ten, it's inescapable for the Big Ten to just come out of this thing as a as a mess with all kinds of egg on its face. So I don't know what you're you're, you're I don't know what you're rooting for if you're Kevin Warren. Now, not to mention you throw in the fact that he has a son who plays in the yeah. SEC. So I'm sure he wants Ooh. he wants that to go smoothly, of course. Uh, I, he, I mean, he's just he's got to have a lot of uh, a lot of sleepless nights right now because there's just, there's it's a no win situation. If it goes bad for the SEC, um, you know, maybe he looks a little smarter in the decision that he made. But it's just a disaster for college athletics as a whole. Um, if it goes well for the other leagues. And, um, you know, he, he looks like he, the, the, the Big Ten made the wrong choice. So uh, if if that happens and the, I mean, it puts pressure on the Big Ten to have to have some kind of a winter or spring season. Right. Because if they made money, you got to find a way to make money. Um, and even even at that, you're not going to make as much. It's not going to be a real season. It's going to feel kind of uh, like a like an exhibition season in the in the in the winter and spring. And then um, it isn't over because I think you're at a disadvantage against the other power, the power leagues that make it through the fall. You're, you as the big 10 are at a disadvantage against them in all kinds of areas yeah. moving forward, not just in the fall of 2021, right. but like into 2022 and 2023. I mean, it hurts, it hurts your ability, I think, to go out and recruit. Um, it, it just, it, it's, um, it hurts you with, uh, with TV networks because you're probably not playing as many games in the fall of 21, it's uh, you know how how does that impact like your ability to to uh, participate in the college football playoff a year from now, all kinds of all kinds of problems and you know there there there's there's going to be all kinds of problems no matter what scenario unfolds but that that one right there the other leagues play while the Big Ten sits out this spring is uh, is not a good one. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors and uh, I I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln they're following CDC guidelines. Uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential 
customer's home and all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days. If uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha Lincoln area, bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home. And you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella. So you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. No, I mean, it's not, I think some people thought, like, ah, what's a bit, like, it's not as easy just going, you know, if you're the Big Ten looking at the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 and saying, ah, you guys go ahead, we'll catch up with you next year. Like, it's not, it's not that easy. It's not that, it's, it's not that simple where they can just kind of sit idle and just watch them finish the season, crown a champion, and then here comes the fall of 2021 and uh, now everything's just 100% fine. That's just, that's, that's just not how this thing's going to play out if, in fact, they start and finish. When, when you look at winter and spring football, I mean, the reality is all the concerns that were in the letter that Kevin Warren laid out are still going to be prevalent in January. That's one. We've talked about how weird it's going to look if, like, there's a college football playoff and, you know, they crown a champion. It's going to be awkward for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to be playing football. You, you then start to kind of scratch your head at how many guys are going to sit out because of the NFL draft. So then that's going to make an inferior product and going to feel even more like, what are we doing here? I guess do you – I mean, I know you've kind of said you'll believe it when you see it. I'm kind of in that camp. How do you size up winter or spring football and its, its chances? I look forward to the Rose Bowl on St. Patrick's Day. Ah! <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, maybe that's what we're looking at. Like, you know, right? It, that's that's March Madness. Yes. In, uh, in 2021, and then the, you know, the, who knows <laughs> when the when the real March Madness will be? Maybe maybe in May. Right, May Madness. I I, I um I don't I I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, you know, you think they're committed when, to doing it, Mitch, though? When, like, do you think they're they they have every intention of doing this or are they praying that all the and I know we talked about not being, you know, to pray these other leagues, but like if these they're they're thinking these leagues are not going to be able to finish. So we're not going to have because are they thinking if like these other leagues cancel that lets us off the hook for the winter or spring kind of a deal? Yeah, I, I, right. I mean, you're 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 off the hook. Uh, you, you, you don't, you're, you're off the hook and, and you don't need to cash any checks because uh, you're not going to be getting any checks. So like. There's a, there's again a big a big financial um, impact that that hurts these all of the Big Ten schools in a negative way if you can't play in the winter or spring. But yeah, I I don't think the Big Ten right now. Now there might be some individual. Ins- Jeff Brom is serious about having a winter and yeah. spring season, but uh, <laughs> at a 14 team league, you know, as the league offices in in Chicago. I don't think they're serious about it or, or they would have probably put forth some kind of a plan at this point. I think they're in wait and see mode and they're in, in, in the mode to see like, Hey, are these other leagues going to play? And if they do, then they're going to have to get more serious about the spring. And if they don't, then I think they can probably all just think, all right, let's take a deep breath mm-hmm. and try to make this thing work in the fall of 2021 because the spring, that, that's not really a great thing. Um, <laughs> which uh, that's, that's how I think that, that if you if you gave a tr- truth serum yeah. to Kevin Warren in the Big Ten, I think that's kind of how they feel about the winter or spring. Like we'll make we'll try to make it go you know, if we have to, but wow, that's going to be really tough, and we don't really have answers to the questions about how to avoid all of the difficulties that are going to come come with it. Well, I mean, and this next thing I want to get into, I'm torn a bit because sometimes sometimes what's right or fair isn't what's actually best for things in the short term or the long term. And, you know, the NCAA has granted this kind of waiver where all these all these athletes in fall sports, they, they're not going to lose a year of eligibility. So, you know, you have guys that if you're if you're a sophomore at Nebraska, you're going to be a sophomore next year, regardless of what happens. What I don't 
that is again it's it's fair and it's right but oh my god does that create a like i don't know what you i don't know what some of these schools are going to do from a roster management standpoint and how they're handling recruiting and and scholarships i guess mitch when you're looking at that and looking at when all the dust settles from that what does all that look like well a lot of them don't have big enough locker rooms (laughs) locker room space yes yeah, and a lot of them don't have enough money to fund the scholarships that are going to be needed if they're giving everybody an extra year. What I think will happen at, I don't know if it's going to be the majority or um, a you know half the schools or 25% of the schools, but you saw what Wisconsin did in the spring yeah. with the spring and winter sport athletes who were granted an extra year. Uh, Wisconsin said, hey, thanks for your service. Thanks for your work for all your years. But we're not going to honor that. You can't come back. If you were a senior on the Wisconsin basketball team in 2019-2020, even though the NCAA says you can come back and play another year, uh, Wisconsin's saying thanks, but no thanks. So how how does Wisconsin, um, how do they justify telling their winter and spring sport athletes that and then bringing the football players back for an extra year if, 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 if they're seniors? Uh, supposed to be seniors here in, in 2020. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can you can square those those two decisions. And I think probably more schools nationally will have to take that same uh, that same path that Wisconsin did with its winter and spring sport athletes. Then then we'll be able to 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 bring them back. Nebraska, I'd expect, is going to do everything that it can to give the guys that extra year to honor that extra year, but it does create all kinds of issues. Like, so Nebraska has 13 scholarship seniors on the roster this year in the, in the, in the fall of 2020. Um, if you bring all 13 of those guys back, which is unlikely, but let's just say for this scenario, you bring all 13 of those guys, you know, somebody's going to Brendan Hymas or, or somebody's going to probably just say, Hey, I'm going to go to the NFL. You know, I'm 23 years old or 22 years old. It's time for me to move on. I came back as a fifth year senior, but I'm not going to come back as a sixth year senior. Cause I, I've got money to make. And that's totally understandable. But let's say they bring back 12 of the 13 scholarship seniors in the fall of 2021. Um, and, and, and this, and this is whether they play in the spring or not, if they play in the spring, they still get that extra year. That's what mm-hmm. the NCAA yep. has ruled. So now you've got 85 plus 12, you can have 97 guys on scholarship in the fall of 2021. And then the year after the year after that, you lose those 12 guys. They, you know, their eligibility expires, but you've still got 85 guys on scholarship. So how's that going to work with your next recruiting class? Right. Can you bring in right. 25 new guys and right. then have 110 on scholarship? It's just that those kind of questions haven't all been answered. No. And clearly you're not going to get right back down to 85 in 2022, the year after this, this extension is, uh, is allowed. You're going to have to do it on like a, on like a, um, a year by year, like scaled down basis. Like in 22, you can have a hundred guys on scholarship in 23. You can have 95 guys on scholarship in 24. You can have 90. So this stuff, it, it has long, I mean, we yes. talked about the big 10 and its right. ability to catch up with the sec and the other leagues. There's long lasting, like five, six, seven years down the road impacts um, when it comes to eligibility and scholarships too. And then how do you deal with transfers? Can you bring in grad transfers and add them to the, to the list? I, I mean, cause there's going to be all kinds of more, there's going to be all kinds of graduates out there. Tons, tons more kids are going to graduate. If you give everybody an extra year, are those guys like free agents? So uh, they've, they've, they've only begun to address the issues that are at the tip of the iceberg um, as it relates to eligibility and scholarships. Yeah, that's right. Everybody that just said, ah, just play, just whatever, just wait and play in the spring. And, and it's like, well, there's just, there's a laundry list of, of things that come along with that, that could, that create problems for years to come. And I mean, what, what you just laid out is like, I mean, you're talking about cuts, like, Hey, sorry, you know, let's say like, if, Hey, you can have a hundred guys on scholarship. Well, there could be guys that you got to cut. And then and then you're talking about with the with the grad transfers, you're talking about free, like all of a sudden now, just the whole roster assemblance process gets really weird for a handful of years. And I just do you think this is going to this this is something Nebraska's already got a hard enough time recruiting. And this feels like I mean, are we uh, are we are we kind of 
borrowing trouble thinking this is going to be a recruiting disaster for a place like Nebraska or do you because there's a part of me that feels like that this is this could be a you know whether you have a, a bunch of turnover from players wanting to leave or whatever the case is do we feel like this is going to have a, a big impact on Nebraska's recruiting negatively um I don't I don't know that it will I don't I don't um I guess I haven't thought about it in those terms yet and you could probably convince me uh, <laughs> that it that it will have a, a, a bad impact. I don't know. I mean, right now, like this year, there's a lot of negative implications for Nebraska in recruiting because players can't visit. And for Nebraska being uh, geographically isolated from a lot of the players that it wants to recruit, it's making things difficult to be able to bring them into Lincoln. And schools are finding ways around that. They're starting to. Um, you know, I've seen we've had stories on, on our side at The Athletic just in the last week on Oklahoma and Michigan State. And some of the like um, some of the uh, creative ways that they're finding to stay within the rules and still have players on campus seeing things. And Michigan State is is uh, there was a story about a, a, a recent Michigan State commit from the state of New Jersey who came to campus with his parents. And obviously he's paying his own way. So not everybody's going to be able to do that. Um, and he can't meet with the coaches when he's on campus in East Lansing, but he can. Uh, meet with them virtually while he's on campus in East Lansing. So he's on FaceTime with the coaches and they're taking him on a tour of the campus or even, you know, walking around the stadium and saying, Hey, this is where you're going to, uh, you know, come out of the tunnel or in Oklahoma this last week, they had something called a sooner summit where all of the, or a bunch of uh, Oklahoma commits and prospects, they all met up on campus and they did like a, an official, an unofficial visit or an official visit, you know, without the money um, and without coaches. But the current players can be involved. And I think as we get further into this fall, um, you know, at, at Nebraska without football, you, you'll see Nebraska do some of that stuff. We already saw um, Thomas Fedoni, who, um, you know, is the highly coveted tight end from yeah. Council Bluffs, come to campus and visit with same kind of thing I'm talking about at Oklahoma with a bunch of other prospects and commits in the 2021 class and, you know, current players, they, they can, they can run into those guys. Hey, you happen to be at a, you happen to be at a, um, you know, whatever uh, restaurant for lunch down in the, down in the Haymarket at the same time we were, wow, it's great to see you, you know, and, and they can, they can hang out. So I don't know. I, Nebraska has resources um, Nebraska has advantages in recruiting and disadvantages in recruiting, but it has some advantages over a lot of schools in recruiting um, when it comes to the, the even even in, in these times, the, the resources and money that's available that I don't think that at the end of this, the pandemic is going to be something that sets Nebraska back a huge amount okay. in recruiting in, in other ways. Yeah, but I think they'll come out of it OK in in recruiting, in part because I think these coaches have a good plan about who they want to recruit. They seem to still be doing okay with this um, with this 21 class. I mean, there have been setbacks for sure. There have been things that probably would have gone different if they could have had visits all during the summer and spring. But um, I think on signing day in December and in February, you're going to hear um, a happy coach, Scott Frost, with the class that he signs this year. And I don't <laughs> think that's going to change in, in 22 or 23. What Nebraska player do you think missing out on this fall that hurt, it hurts him the most? Is there one guy that stands out to you? One guy. And, um, and there could be a variety of reasons. I mean, you could talk about NFL chances or just like his development or it was going to be a big year for him. So, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of leave it open-ended on like the justification of, of how it's hurting or why it's hurting that they, they don't get to, get to play. I mean, I think guys who are coming off injuries, it's really hard on because they've already missed a lot of time. And I think sometimes the general public like doesn't have a great understanding. I mean, unless you've been in that situation where you've been a, you've been a high level athlete and you've been injured and you've you know had that itch to come back yeah. and you haven't played, you haven't played a sport in like a year and then you're, you're ready to go and you've gotten yourself in shape and then you get told, Hey, the season's off. So if you're like, if you're like Nick Henrich, um, who had shoulder surgery after being an early enrollee in the spring of 19 and you fought your way back and you rehabbed and you were ready to go and you're expected to be like a breakout impact kind of guy at linebacker and you get this news. I think that's really difficult to to get past mentally. Now, physically, he'll be fine because he has more time to recover. Um, he's got more time to to lift and get bigger and grow into his body and you know learn the defensive system. Um, but, but it takes, it's going to take just a tremendous amount of discipline for, for those guys who haven't played football in a long time. Like another one, Deontay Williams, like, you know, already has been through a long wait going through junior college and he comes in, he puts in his time, his first year at Nebraska, he gets himself in a position in the fall of 19 where he's going to be 
one of the better players on the defense. I mean, the reviews that you were hearing about Deontay Williams um, in August of 2019, a year ago right now, um, were through the roof. Like, this guy is going to be a breakout player. And in the first game of the year, he has a season-ending injury. So he sits the whole year, rehabs, and here he comes ready for 2020, and the season's gone. And he's a senior this year. So, like, you know, he can come back, sure. He probably will come back. He probably needs to come back if he wants to play in the NFL, which I think people feel like he can. But that's, that's, you know, I I think the, the mental side of it, is like that's where that's where you're going to lose players. That's where guys are going to end up leaving school or transferring or just like giving up football because of the mental toll that it takes just to not do, to get ready for a season and then have it taken away from you. That's tough. I mean, if you're or if you're like early in your career, like if you're an early enrollee, um, you know, I I I wrote about Logan Smothers yeah. uh, last December, um, and you know, got to know his his dad's high school coach down in Alabama. And, you know, I've talked a little bit to his dad during this during this uh, this time this month when football got taken away from him. And it's like, hey, Logan gave up not just him, but all of the guys who were early enrollees. Logan gave up the second half of his senior year of high school to come to Nebraska and start to learn things and put himself in a position to to play early and be successful and support his teammates. I mean, he didn't get to go to his graduation or you know his senior prom or like he, he sacrificed quite a bit to be here in the spring and then no spring football and now no season. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hard mentally on guys like that. And some of them probably aren't going to make it through this. Right. A couple more things. Yeah, I Mitch. mean, make, I mean yeah. make it through it. Like they're never yeah. going to end up being on the field. At right. I know. I know. I, I don't I, mean, I know. Yeah, I don't I know, mean that's any of those specifically that I mentioned, but some, some, no. are, some, some guys are going to be like, that. they're going to say, I'm going home. I can't do it. I'm not like, cause let's be honest. I mean, listen, we're, I mean, I, live in Lincoln. I'm from Lincoln. Like I love Lincoln, but there's some people that like, listen, man, the only reason I came to Lincoln was to play football, you yeah. know? And, th- and there's going to be a lot of people like, man, we're not playing football. I'm out of here. I'm going home. I'm done with this. Like, you know, like most of the guys from out of, out of state, yes. <laughs> um, made, you know, they came to Lincoln because of football. Right. I mean, I hate, I, yeah, that's, that's Lincoln's great. I, I, I love but, it, man. Uh, yeah. They but, didn't, they didn't come for the, you know, the pizza. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true. Do you think uh, a couple more things? We'll get you out of here. We're almost an hour in. Appreciate your time here. I do. You, you know, we've already seen Iowa announced to what they cut four sports. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Bill Moose has announced they've, they furloughed a, a bunch of people until January 1st. Moose has said that he doesn't want to cut any sports. There isn't necessarily a plan to cut sports. I know Nebraska's in a better place with their rainy day fund than others, but you know, as Bill Luce said, it's really rainy right now. I mean, what? How do you? Are you hearing anything? Like, how do you think all that shapes up with Nebraska and their athletic department on a variety of fronts? As we're kind of just at the tip of the iceberg of what kind of financial issues Nebraska's going to embark upon as no football is going to get played in the fall here. Well, first of all, I hated for those those fifty one people who got their jobs taken away from now until the end of the year. And I hope that all of, all of them get to come back, obviously. Yep. Um, but if that, much like Nebraska made some decisions with its athletic budget and cuts back in, I believe it was June uh, when, when they, uh, when they had some layoffs and cut their, cut their budget by 10, their athletic budget by 10%, that decision was made with the belief that there was going to be football in the fall. So now you take away football in the fall and you have this second round of cuts. And I, I, you know, if, if we get to this winter and spring, I know we talk about winter and spring football with like a skeptical uh, look in our eyes, but Hey, those Nebraska needs it financially. They need to find a way to be able to make some money. And I know it's probably not going to be the 54 million that you get from the league uh, every year in a check. Even if it's half of that, like that would be of great significance to all of those staff people who are suffering right now. So if you don't have that, that, that revenue come in, then I think you're probably looking at a third round, another round in the winter where maybe there are at that point sports on the cutting block, entire sports, because uh, the, 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 the staff, the, the, um, the uh, bottleneck of salary that Bill Moose talked about, when they announced those decisions on Friday of last week about cutting, cutting, uh, cutting payroll and furloughing people. I mean, it's, it's a couple million dollars, like two to $3 million. Nebraska's looking at a shortfall of a hundred million dollars mm. plus mm. if yeah. there's no football this year at all. So 
it barely makes a dent. Barely. They're going to have to do more if they don't get to play at all in the winter, in, in the in the winter and fall. So I, then I think you would be looking potentially at sport entire sports being cut because that's where you're talking about real money. Yeah. Um, if if you if you cut the uh, the budget of an entire sport, I, I, you know, I that would be tragic if they have to go down that road. Nebraska hasn't cut a sport. I don't think since uh, what men's swimming and in, in like the nineties. So uh, it's been, it's or, you know, about 20 years ago, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long time yeah. and it would be really difficult if they have to do that again. Get you out of here on this one. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, your best guess as to what happens with football for everyone as of August 24th. I mean, you have the SEC, ACC, Big 12. They finish. They start and finish. And the Big 10 and Big 12, they actually play in the winter and the spring. You have the SEC, ACC, Big 12 finish. But the Big 10 and Pac-12 don't play in the winter and spring. Maybe the SEC and ACC and Big 12, they don't finish. But the Big 10 and Pac-12, they actually do play. Nobody plays and finishes at all. Like, there's a lot of different scenarios. What on August 24th, that what do you think is the most likely scenario for football for everyone? Okay, well, the only thing I feel good about in making a prediction here is that I do think that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are going to start. Okay. <laughs> I, You're going I on the record going, with that. I like it. Yeah. They're going to kick off the season. And then everything else is like just a crapshoot, a right. total guess. Are they going to finish? I. I'll say no. Um, I'll say they're going to run into problems and they're going to get some games in and they're going to have to get shut down and maybe they can. And, and, and okay, I'll just want more, more while we're making wild predictions. Yes. Here, I'll say that the Big 12 ACC SEC have to resume and finish their season in the spring mm-hmm. and that the Pac-12 and the Big 10 are also going to give it a go in the spring. I don't know how successful it's going to be. Right. Um, I think maybe they'd be fortunate if they could play six games just because not necessarily because of pandemic concerns as much as like health and like the, just the preservation of people's players uh, bodies and looking forward to the fall of 21. I think they'll play, they'll do something as much as like we all think that it's a crazy idea I think the money is just going to be too difficult to pass up and there's going to be some, there's, there's going to be like a smattering of football starting at the beginning of September or the end of August, whenever the first game is scheduled all the way through on and off until March when they're like, okay, now we, you know, maybe we don't even have champions or anything, but it's like, okay, now we need to shut it down because in six months we're hopeful to start up a real season in in, uh, September of 21. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic covers Nebraska FOMO on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Anything we're missing with uh, with people trying to subscribe to The Athletic? I mean, it's I, I'm serious. I love it. It's great. It's awesome coverage. Any, anything you want to plug with uh, trying to get more people to, uh, to, to subscribe? Well, I know we're all looking forward to the NFL more yep. uh, with, uh, with limited college football this fall. I think the NFL is definitely going to play. So we have great NFL coverage, great Major League Baseball, NBA. It's all there, all the same price. Everything, so, man. Yeah, That's the beauty for, of it. Right. For your two or three bucks a month. So uh, yeah. find, a, find a 50% off uh, yep. discount somewhere on the internet. Or better yet, just go on one of my stories and subscribe there and pay your five bucks a month. And you, uh, it's worth it. You, Sue, you, you got it, man. That there's, there's no doubt it's awesome stuff. Mitch, uh, this was fun, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch up in, in maybe a month or two and see where we're at. And we we'll can look back at our predictions and laugh about how wrong we were on everything. It'll be great. For sure. Yeah, great to talk to you. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.